Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF, and you can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. It is uh, August 25th. It's 11 a.m. We're in Little Amps, and with me are Mark Levy of the AP. Mark, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And we've got two reporters from the caucus this week. Brad Bumstead. Hello, Brad. Hi. And Paula Knudsen making her uh, podcast debut. <laughs> Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Thanks, guys, for coming. All right, so a couple of things. I think we can start with Mike Stack. Um, so you guys have been on the Mike Stack beat for a while now. How long have you been covering this? It's been several months. Well, the, it started in April, but it has not been you know, full-time or, right. or all-consuming, but Stories have, have cropped up periodically when we receive right-to-know-all requests or when certain things happened, as they did this week, where a house, the House State Government Committee held a hearing uh, to look at some of the expenses that we found. And then the day that it came out, Penn Live also reported and had a database on some of the expenses. And the point is, you know, just, you know, how extravagant are these expenses? That's what they're asking. But it also delves into questions of do we need a lieutenant governor? Do we need a lieutenant governor's mansion? All of those things are revolving around the stack controversy. Yeah. And so I guess to back it up, and if anybody already knows about this, skip ahead a minute. But Mike Stack, back in April, had some controversy when he was eventually stripped of his police detail for um, verbally abusing them. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, and also so his personal staff at his uh, state-funded you know, funded mansion. And so since then, you guys have been looking into his expense reports and what he's spending, again, taxpayer money on. And now it is interesting because, Paula, and I think this is something that comes up when we talk about this, it's sort of, it's unclear whether or not this is like actually not allowed the level of spending that Stack has been engaging in. Right. We've been reporting on this, as you said, for a while, and, and a lot of the receipts and information we obtained was through the Right to Know Law. And some of the things we uncovered were, you know, hundreds of dollars of expenditures in grocery stores, uh, purchases, but some of them were quite um, expensive, you know, very expensive cuts of meat, lump breasts, duck, duck crab, <laughs> duck, duck crab, now I'm yeah. putting the two of them together, duck and lump crab, um, steaks, you know, things that are considered pretty high end. So these are the purchases were made on what are called P cards. Um, they're purchasing cards. And I think, Brad, you've, you've talked about before that this was something you covered years ago. The P cards came into existence as a way to kind of curb fraud, waste, and abuse. They, they came into existence as a reform, mm-hmm. believe it or not, that, that it would cut down on a lot of the paperwork that had to be done, and mm-hmm. people would get these cards and just be able to charge their expenses. Well, there's obviously some leeway involved in that. You can depending, charge whatever you want. Well, well there have to be limits, but when you're an elected official, apparently you can. Yeah. Uh, Stack has about a million-dollar budget. Uh, the, the state also, through DGS, spent you know at least uh, approximately half a million dollars for upkeep of the mansion and the staff and all that. Yeah. So it probably cost between that and the state security detail upwards of two million dollars to have a lieutenant governor with his salary of one hundred sixty-two thousand. Uh, it's the highest in the nation. Right. And one of the things that came up at the hearing this week was... Uh, yeah, we should say, so for context... Yeah, the House week. State Government um, had a, what they call an informational meeting this week. They invited Lieutenant Governor Stack to, to come and talk about these expenses. He declined. 
Um, so really the only person who talked beyond the House members who were in attendance was Anna McCausland from Americans for Prosperity. Conservative a, organization. A, a right-leaning group that, you know, they say looks out for taxpayers and, and tries to keep costs down. One of the things she was talking about is these P cards. Is anyone really actually looking at the expenses? Stack's office says that they've survived 107 audits with no questions raised. That, McCausland said, in and of itself raises questions. How could these very expensive purchases go through without anybody looking and, and asking questions well, about Well, also, them? there's a misnomer there. I mean, he Stack makes that statement in the context of, of his food expenses, but we know that in his overall expenses that the Office of Budget uh, did flag um, uh, stays at Philadelphia hotels when Stack still had a residence uh, in Philadelphia, that was in 2015, yeah. and they made him pay back several thousand dollars. Yeah, um, so it is interesting too because um, actually, going back to the House State Government Committee meeting, um, I think there were some interesting things that came out of this. Um, it was sort of an oppositional moment for Stack and the chair of the committee, Daryl Metcalf, who's a Republican out of Butler County. Um, there were some words exchanged. Um, I know you guys, I think, had that in your story afterward, but what, what was that whole scene like? Well, you know, Stack uh, refused to come to the hearing, but he put out a real strongly worded statement saying, why would I let you, you know, why would I allow you to sit in judgment of me when you uh, yourself have been involved in controversy by supporting white supremacists, you know, he talked and now about. Metcalf would strongly contest that claim. He would. Uh, what it was was that uh, about two years ago, Metcalf had said that, made the comment that, that uh, um, white nationalists weren't the same thing as white supremacists. This followed but, him having a white uh, nationalist testify at a hearing about did. making English the official language of Pennsylvania, which it, has it, been a Metcalf, I think, pet project. It, it did, but he... He, he said it was a lie to say that he supports white supremacists, that he's not a racist, that he's a Christian and a, a army veteran, and he put this out. But, you know, it was a strongly worded statement from Stack who, who just ripped uh, Metcalf at every opportunity. And, and that's fine because he's the guy under attack, but it was also sort of an ad hominem attack. It didn't really address the yeah. food issues that had been raised. And then Metcalf sent his own letter back saying that it was uh, libelous lie. and yeah. lies, essentially. And he also made some interesting, uh, I think, statements about Philadelphia politicians generally, um, saying that Stack was from a long line of, I think, Philly convicts or something like that. He had one word in caps. I think it was convicts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's sort of the background to this hearing that happened. I, I mean, do you think that, like has a wider ranging impact that whole exchange or is that just sort of color on top well no i think the whole thing you know you have to take it in, in, in its totality the office of inspector general uh, investigation the, the expenses has a lot of people talking about do we need a lieutenant governor or do we need a different way right. of, of getting a lieutenant governor currently they are elected separately uh, from the governor in a democratic primary a republican primary uh, in other states the the, the uh, gubernatorial candidate just picks who he wants as a running mate much like we see at the national level with the president so it's that's what's really fundamentally at issue here and also should we be the only state in the nation that supplies a residence for the lieutenant governor? Yeah, Pennsylvania, I, we have a couple things that are outlying. Ours is the highest paid and the only one with a mansion. So that's the, the mansion is out of, near Fort Indian Town Gap. It's a beautiful property. It's got a pool. Um, 
but again, we, we are the only state in the country that affords this kind of residence for the lieutenant governor. So at the hearing this week, the question was raised as a question, you know, as a matter of public policy, should we be providing the mansion? It's, it's a significant amount of money for upkeep um, at a time when the Commonwealth is struggling to put the budget together. Right. And that was something that came up in this hearing as well. Should we be spending this much money on a lieutenant governor? I think it's fair to say it's a largely ceremonial position um, when we don't have very much money in the budget. Obviously, getting rid of the lieutenant governor would not fix our budget problems. It would not. <laughs> not even close. But, uh, you know, that's the tenor of this. So do you, do you think we're going to hear more about this? I do. I mean, I think that there, there are several people who are running in a Democratic primary or say they are, and that's they'll be bringing this up, uh, both his record and the whole issue of, of you know, this office, should it be abolished? And I think on the Republican side, we're seeing some people who are going to jump in Right, and they won't well. run right against Stack. Yeah, they won't. They'll run against the Stack-Wolf ticket if Stack doesn't, right. if he wins his primary. Right. All right, so we'll leave that there for now. Um, it's been an interesting week in Mike Stackland. Uh, read the caucus for more details, because there are lots of details that are interesting in this story. Um, and where can they find the caucus? You can pick it up at the Harrisburg train station or the newsstand right here on 2nd Street down from Little Am's grab a cup of coffee. Yeah. Or, or you can go online at uh, www.caucuspa.com and get a subscription. Right, and then it'll come to you, and that's way easier. Um, all right, Mark Levy, we've been ignoring you. Um, but we've had... I don't want to say an interesting week in budget news because not a whole lot has happened, but there's just a lot of talk going on that I think might be difficult to reconcile for people who are trying to figure out what's happening with the budget. So what what have you been hearing lately? And the longer nothing happens, the more serious the uh, the, the circumstances become for a state uh, whose finances are in uh, a pretty poor state. Um, Right. So, so we have a spending plan, no fiscal plan, no revenue plan to go along with it. Um, that is an issue. We are very low on cash in the general fund. Right. And that's a function of two things. One, this being sort of a seasonal low flow period for tax collections, but also the state having an entrenched deficit that uh, the, uh, lawmakers, policymakers, budget makers haven't really resolved since the recession. And with a $2 billion hole in the state's finances uh, as, as we speak, um, that's created this this point where the state's bank account is going to hit zero. Already has hit zero. Actually, right. they got a, they got a bailout from the state treasury, but it'll hit zero again. I think on the 29th, and then get way below zero on the 15th of September. By mid September. Now, I'm sure the governor has. Um, there there are lots of ways of massaging um, you know the flow of money in and out of, of the of the bank account. I want to make actually. I think people get confused. I've been hearing this from Republicans a lot. That no, like taxpayers here, well, they know that they're still paying taxes into the state, so when the state says, we have no money, that sounds a little bit weird to them. But this goes into many different funds, not all of which the governor can just pull from to pay expenses. Is that, I think, is that a good way of putting it? Well, I, it's just that, you know, the, the bills don't line up with with the money coming in. Um, so, you know, the state may have, say, $2,000 it needs to spend right now, but that $2,000 isn't going to uh, end up in the bank account for a few more months because of the flow of tax collections. It's just, it's sort of a mismatch that every state deals with. And usually that $2,000 is more like $2 billion, and that's right. where we get into trouble. Um, all right, so what we're hearing 
lately, and you know, for context's sake, if you don't know, um, the House Republicans are sort of the holdouts on the plan right now. The Senate Republicans and Democrats, Governor Wolf and the House Democrats, all essentially have agreed to a plan the Senate passed, I guess, last month now. Um, but they're holding out um, on what grounds? They um, don't like the uh, tax increases and the borrowing in the Senate plan. The, the Senate plan was $2.2 billion and rests very heavily on borrowing $1.3 billion and tax increases on people's utility bills uh, of about $400 million. Um, so now there's two sort of schools of thought, I think, going on in the House as they try to figure out what they're going to do. Um, one, I think that we've seen there's been appropriations committee hearings this week um, yeah, attempting to come up with their own revenue plan. And then there's others who d- want to basically freeze spending and <laughs> that have that be it for the year, right? I mean, are you hearing... Well, there's, there's a contingent of Republicans, House Republicans, who voted against the original spending plan who would be just fine in seeing the state... Uh, pair back spending to, to match uh, its its income. But, um, yeah, the, the members of the Appropriations Committee have been cycling in and out of the Capitol, uh, meeting behind closed doors in an effort to come up with some sort of concept that they can support. And one of the leading concepts would be uh, diverting money from lots of other off-budget programs that feed certain purposes, whether it's emergency response centers, whether it's environmental cleanup programs, whether it's transportation funding for everything from um, agriculture, horse racing. So there's, you know, the state government is huge and has lots of different uh, functions and programs, not all of which are tied to its main operating bank account. And um, the, the, the problem here is that this has been tried before, and each one of these special programs has a constituency of people who support it and who voted to put it in place and that's a reason why there's a reason why it's there right and so assuming that you can just take money from that um is is a leap when you haven't assembled votes for that but, but they've been doing that for a long time in other programs i mean if you look back ba- budgets have been balanced in the state going back through through corbett's first term even into rendell but, right right by you know Patching together things at the end by taking money at rating certain funds, but yeah, maybe I, they were yeah. funds that were less that had less political support than what's there now. Well, that's the thing, and I think this is something that's worth pointing out that we've had budget problems for nearly a decade now, and if those funds still have money in them, there's usually a reason why they still have money in them. And, and the scale to which re- House Republicans are looking at taking money from some of these funds may exceed anything we've seen in, yeah. in, in the past decade, and whether they can pull it off remains to be seen. Right. Well, they, and that's, I mean, so this would probably go in in place of the massive borrowing in the Senate plan, right? I mean, you know, there's no other caucus in the building, in the Capitol, that believes you can somehow wipe out, you know, $1.7 billion in utility tax increases and borrowing yeah. by, by diverting, you know, money from special funds or, or dormant accounts in, 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 in the state government. So, um, maybe you can whittle it down, but uh, it's it's hard to see how how they completely eliminate uh, what the Senate did uh, in terms of borrowing and tax increases. And, and the elephant in the room nobody's talking about is you could easily raise uh, the state income tax or sales tax to come up with two point two billion dollars, but nobody wants to do it. They don't no. want to. They do not want to hear about it. It's not an option. Yet there is you know philosophical objection, and I can see why to borrowing. 1.3 billion dollars to cover 
a deficit. I mean, it doesn't. The, the total bill for that will be on the order of $2 billion right. over 20, 30 years yeah. to pay it back. So yeah. for $1.3 billion now, you're saddling the state with a $100 million payment for X number of years to pay the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the bank. Yeah. And there's also, I think, when you hear people talking about this, because um, we've got an over a billion dollar shortfall that carried over from last year. And a line that you hear very frequently from Republicans is, well, this is Wolf's fault. Wolf should have frozen spending last year when we were into a deficit and not waited for money to come in that we, you know, logically knew probably wasn't going to. Um, So that's sort of, you hear a lot of, that's just part of the blame that goes around. Sure. Um, and, you know, whether or not you think that is a legitimate criticism, um, we also have a situation where the Republicans voted for a spending plan that was as large as it is, about $32 billion. And now, I mean, some who did not vote for it don't want to fund it. And that's become an issue, right? So it, there really is. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking away as, you know, the weeks of the summer wind down and this issue is not resolved. Yeah. The House is scheduled to come back in, what, two weeks? The 11th of September, yeah. And four days later is when we're projected by the Treasury to be $1.6 billion under zero in our general fund, which, of course, can't happen because they can't. Yeah, yeah, we we can't spend into a negative balance technically, but we could... And one other, and one other looming thing is a potential downgrade of the state's credit rating. Yeah. The state is already uh, has one of the worst credit ratings in the nation. Um, this won't help. This will not help. So yeah, that's sort of where we are. And so, Mark, I mean, going again into the context of this. So if we do get into mid-September and we have not come up with a budget, I mean, does it seem like we're going to come up with a budget anytime soon to you? Uh, uh, not. We will not see votes in the next two weeks. I think that's pretty certain. Yeah. So we're going to get to mid-September and have that looming. Um, deficit that we can't really wiggle out of. Um, what then? Then, then the governor will um, either have to patch together a solution uh, with perhaps, um, if, if, if the treasury is is willing to continue lending, um, and the treasurer Joe Torcella is 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 hemming and hawing yeah, about that. Maybe not willing to. Right, and the treasury has has essentially bailed out the state just about every year since the recession um, on a temporary basis. So, you know, the governor's going to have to freeze some programs that are due money right now. He's going to have to put off some bills to say major vendors like insurance companies, utilities, uh, suppliers. Which some Republicans won't be unhappy about. Right. And and, and contractually, the, these contracts typically tell these vendors that, you know, we may or may not pay you on time, you know, deal with it. Um, and and then maybe he can he can get uh, some sort of a loan from Treasury, a short-term uh, line of credit and... and you know, there's there's payments he may also have to put off later on, whether it's to public schools, whether it's yeah. to the counties for social service programs, Medicaid. Um, so, and, and there's some political jeopardy there for the governor and all of this. Even though right now, you know, it looks like you know House Republicans, the blowback would be against them. But you don't want to go into an election year and have to cut funding for education. Right. That's something. I mean, I think that's probably going to be the last thing on his list. Well, well it, is, it is. But well, actually, it, it definitely will be in terms of the non-preferreds because they are, you know, the funding for Penn State and the other state-related institutions are non-preferred, meaning they would be the last to to, uh, uh, be cut. Right. Well, um, anything else that we need to know as we head into these next couple of weeks of very little money? 
Look, it'll be um, you know with each passing week that the people who watch this stuff, whether they're whether they represent schools or people with intellectual disabilities or the counties, are becoming more and more worried about um, the impact of this. Yeah, I know some counties are already kind of making contingency plans for whether or not they lose funding. It's probably the same with schools too. Um, all right, so that's probably a sad place to end it, but. We're going to keep watching what happens with this. Uh, we're going to keep reporting on whether or not the state is in dire straits fiscally. It appears they will continue to be for at least a couple more weeks. Um, guys, thank you for coming. Thanks Mark. for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Kitty. Thank you very much. All right. We'll be back next week.